Do you want to start a thriving real estate career, but don't know where and how to start? Do you want to become a successful realtor or investor, but lack the required knowledge and skills? Gear yourself up with the best and actionable advice here on The Real Estate Rundown. Tune in as Shannon Robnett talks with industry veterans about all kinds of asset classes, market trends, challenges, management techniques, and success stories. Listen to informative discussions with valuable tips that will serve as the foundation for your incredible real estate venture. Now, here's your host, Shannon Robnett. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Real Estate Rundown. Today, I am joined by Chris Craddock, and we're going to be talking about how to crack the code on super profitable agent investor relationships. And in this episode, we're going to discuss a company called REI Revive and how helping real estate revenue streams without having to spend a lot of marketing dollars can help you. But first, I think you got to have a mindset to millions, which we're going to show you how to do that. And then we're going to teach you how to crack the code on real estate investor agent relationships and how those partnerships can work and do that. But let's just be clear. I'm not the one that's going to do that. My friend Chris is going to do that. So Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. Excited to be here with you today. So Chris, tell us a little bit about who you are, what your journey has been to get you where you're at today in real estate, and then we'll dive right into the topic. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I live here in the DC area. I'll just share like a quick synopsis of of what brought me here was, you know, 2000, I graduated college. I was on staff with an organization called Young Life. I loved it, changed my life. It was incredible. My wife got pregnant in 2003 and I was making like $20,000 a year on Young Life staff, which doesn't work well in the DC area. And so I ended up going to the library, checking out every book I could on real estate investing. And in the next four months, I made about 12 times what I made in a year and what I was doing on the other side. So I, I basically funded the ministry stuff that I was doing. I kept doing that because I had the ability to... You were checking out books at the library and made $120,000 a year? Yeah, actually like $240,000 in four months. <laughs> books, or was there something about the books that you were doing? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just checking out the books and, you know, they, the library wrote, no, I'm just kidding. No, I mean, like in the books, yeah, I went out and actually I, I always joke, imperfect action trumps perfect inaction. I just went and started knocking on doors of properties, of distressed properties and, you know, asking them if they want to sell. And the crazy thing is when I finally got somebody that said he wanted to sell, I had no idea what I was doing. So I was like, I mean, I'm like, oh, dang, what do I do now? I was like, okay, cool. We'll buy it. I'll come back. And I literally went home. I called a real estate agent friend of mine and was like, hey, can you write up this contract and also check my numbers? And he was like, how about I'll do the deal with you? And I was like, okay. So ended up becoming like a quasi business relationship for a handful of deals. And now I know it's called JVing on a deal, which I think is a great thing to do when you first start JV with joint venturing on a deal. I think it's a great thing to do, but man, I had no idea at all. And so made a, I personally ended up walking away with about $240,000 from my friend in about four months from those deals and allowed me to continue doing ministry stuff, which is what I wanted to do at the time. And I did that for a long time. So isn't it funny, Chris, that, I mean, I think you bring up a very valid point. You were, I've been that young father, right? You're terrified, right? But you're broke. And it wasn't, in my case, we were on the five-year plan and five months after we were married, I got you know the news that we were expecting. 
But it was one of those things that propelled me also to massive action. And in that terror or in that inexperience, whatever you want to call it, you went out and did something that 99.999% of real estate agents don't do, right? So they don't see the kind of results that you saw because they won't simply do this. Yeah, 100%. It was just nutty, you know, just went out and one of my buddies teaches a class or he just teaches people to talk to people to get deals. And I just went out and talked to people, right? Like I found people that were in distress, talked to them, told them I could solve the problem. I didn't know how I was going to solve it, but I figured I'll figure it out. <laughs> and then I did. And, and it made a lot of money. And that's one of the things everybody... When you talk about making money, the reality is the people that make the most money are the people that solve the most people's problems, right? And so that's what what we were able to do is go out there and solve people's problems and get it done. So yeah, that's the whole thing right there. Problem. What was the common theme? The common theme. I know that everybody had different problems, right? There were some that it was mom and dad's house and mom and dad were gone. There were some that they didn't know what to do. There were some that they'd lost their job. They'd lost a spouse, lost their motivation. They lost their mojo, whatever, you know. But there's one common theme. What was that one theme that everybody boiled down to? Well, I mean, everybody had some sort of pain, right? Like that they needed to sell. That was it. You know, I feel like for us, we need to be like doctors, right? You know, if you ask enough questions, you're going to find out what the pain is and what's causing the pain. And then if you're really skilled and you can solve problems, then by solving the problem, you write the prescription and say, hey, here's the prescription. And knowing that the people that solve problems are the people that make the most money, you know, that's how we do it. <laughs> you know, I think you bring up a really valid point there that everybody's got a pain point and it's not about your formula, right? If you're a buyer's agent, you've got a whole different formula. You're out to find buyers. If you're a seller's agent, you've got one box that everybody's trying to fit in. You're trying to find people that are selling. But if you're door knocking, you're trying to find people that have a problem and that problem could be widespread, but they've got one point of pain and you're trying to identify that pain point. And once you do that, everybody's got a little bit different solution, but it all comes down to getting it done for them. Sounds yeah. like pretty successful at getting the pain dealt with. Yeah. And if you can see through their smoke screens, the reasons why they say they're doing what they're doing to actually what they're doing, then you can solve the problem and help them and really build a successful business. So yeah, so that's what I did. And then, you know, in 2011, I've got six kids now, which took me a long time to figure out what caused that. Now that I know I can stop it. The drinking fountain at church. You got to stay away from that drinking fountain. Oh man, absolutely. Now I know I can get it done, get rid of that. But yeah, so the money started running out. And so I got back in. And at that point, all the distressed people that I was going to, they were short sales. And so the bank, in order to flip short sales at that time, the bank was paying agents regardless, and they just weren't going to give an extra discount if there's no agent involved. So I got my real estate license and I'd always led large groups of teams of people when I was in ministry. And so anyway, started flipping short sales. And then in December, 2014, we launched our retail team. And over the last however many years, five, six years, we built that up. So last year, we we're, this year, we're going to do almost 200 million, probably about 600 transactions. I guess I have 11 businesses now that I run all in the real estate world. They're all synergistic to each other. Everything from flip to wholesale, to retail, to private money, to lending, insurance, construction, all of those different things, all just kind of in that world. But what I really found was there's a lot of money to be made because investors live in one world and agents live in another. And when you can bring these two together and bridge that gap, man, there's so much money to be made together. 
You know, and it's funny you say that too, because if a real estate agent really understood what an investor wanted, investors are very simple creatures, aren't they? I mean, there's not a lot of emotion in professional investors. When somebody's buying a single family home for themselves, I mean, you know, they want the right school district. You know, they want the yard to look just so. They don't want a corner lot or they do want a corner lot. Whichever one you don't have, that's the one they want. But an investor is looking for a very simple set of parameters. So why are they so elusive? Well, here's the thing. I mean, the parameters, it's like Jerry Maguire, where like agents and investors don't understand. The investor's saying, Jerry, say, show me the money. He's like, uh, show you the money? No, say, show me the money. That's the deal. And then once you get it, they're like, okay, investors care about the numbers. That's what they care about. And so when they get it, then it's about the numbers. And the agents say, oh man, you're already marketing for stuff. You're throwing away so many of your leads. Let me monetize these leads and pay for your marketing for you. Let me help you. Let me help me help you, you know, on these these things, reenacting all of Jerry Maguire here. Help me help you make more money. There's just this massive, massive win-win that can happen when you bridge that gap. And heck, I've got one investor client, literally for my personal team, we send somewhere between 50 and $60,000 a month to them in referral fees for leads that they have paid for that were just going to sit dead in their CRM. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, this is truly an instance of one man's treasure is another man's trash or vice versa. What is it that makes it a dead lead for them that's so hot for you? Well, just think about it. Like, so let's say I send out a ton of direct mail saying, I'll buy your house cash, right? And 20 people call, like 200 people call back. 20 of them actually want to sell in the next six to eight months, right? Of the 20 that want to sell, you're going to find only four of them are going to want to sell at a reduced rate, right? Everybody else wants retail. So now you're down to four. And of those four, you're going to maybe find one that you're going to be able to get under contract at 65 to 75 cents on the dollar. So now you've got 19 people that raised their hand and said, I want to sell, but they're not going to sell with you. They're going to sell with another investor that's going to pay more than you will, or they're going to sell with an agent who's going to get paid on it. But somehow with those other 19, somebody's going to get paid, but it's just not you. And so right now, this is the way to change that whole idea so that every time the phone rings, you can get paid. But here's the crazy thing. Everybody that hears this says, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. No brainer. But what happens is this program more than anything else is a program where if you don't color by numbers, you're going to miss it and it's not going to work. So like I've got so many wholesaler friends that are like, I've tried that. I've sent it to agents over and over and over again and I never make any money on it. I'm more surprised when I get paid than when I don't get paid. You know, so that's the whole thing is if you don't color by numbers, if you don't really follow a system, even though it makes complete sense, you'll find out that you don't make any money on it because these agents don't know how to sell to these investor people. Like these people didn't call to talk to an agent. They called to talk to an investor. And if they're not spoken to in the right words and with the right scripts and dialogues, they're just going to go to their brother's uncle, who's also a real estate agent and sell with him. Yeah. And you know, when you're talking about having to literally pay by numbers, that for a lot of people is so hard because they think that they know, they think that they understand. I remember You know, when I finally got my real estate license, I'm a fourth generation realtor, right? But by the time I finally got my license, I think I'd already done about 150, $170 million worth of personal transactions, right? Yeah. And for me to actually look at selling other people property, I had to stop doing what I did. 
I had to stop thinking like I did and start actually listening to them and doing what they wanted. So I can totally identify here as a complete rewire for me because mine wasn't getting the results that I was supposed to. I knew what I wanted. I knew what they wanted, but it, it was different. And unless you're doing it exactly right, you're not following through with how it's supposed to go. Why is it you were able to find that successful dialogue and that how is it that you came up with that script, if you will, that works so well? Yes. So what happened was, again, it goes back to the beginning where if you solve people's pain, you can make a lot of money. And so what I did was I started boiling it down. Every like There were probably about 150 reasons why people sold, but I was able to boil it down to five, right? And if you understand that the reason why they called an investor was one of five reasons. Like they don't want to pay realtor commissions. They think their house is too jacked up to put on the MLS. They've got to sell fast. They're a hoarder. They don't want their neighbors to see it. They want they they don't want people coming in at all hours of the day. When you break it down and understand there's only five reasons and you can answer those five reasons, also help them not feel like there's a bait and switch, but also don't let them, if they just think of realtors coming, they're like, I didn't call a realtor, right? So once you can understand these things, you can speak to them in the way that they want us to be spoken to. You know, there's that old adage, whenever you see somebody, you should see with them on their forehead, what's in it for me, right? And so if you can speak to them with with them, what's in it for me? Why should I be talking to you? I didn't call you, I called an investor. Why is an agent here? But if you're able to answer their questions and solve their problems, then, you know, literally you become a tiger playing with hamsters, right? Like it's just, it's game over. <laughs> That's not exactly sound like a fun kid's game, does it? <laughs> Especially if you're a hamster. So now you've got the system down and now you're turning all of your leads, regardless of whether it's for you, into something that pays you. And it sounds like you're taking part in every facet of the real estate game from lending the money to the investor to insuring the investor. I mean, it sounds like you've got your hands in everything. How do you manage all of this? Yeah, well, so one of the things that I heard, so I was, um, for years, I was with Keller Williams and thankfully, my team got big enough that I was able to be personally coached by Gary Keller, which I think he's one of the smartest people in the real estate industry by far. And one of the things he said to us, one of the mastermind sessions, he's like, you can have as many businesses as you want, as long as all of them are in a folder and there's a face on each one of these businesses and that face is not yours, right? So as long as somebody else is owning it and somebody else is in charge of it and it's not you in charge you can have 5,000 businesses, right? Think about Mark Cuban, right? Like he's on Shark Tank buying businesses left and right. You know, he can't be involved in all of the businesses he owns. He has a team. He has people that own that. And he is there for strategic leadership and strategic guidance. That's an amazing thought process there. So, so how does that all relate back to the mindset? I mean, you've got I mean, I think you sell yourself short a little bit when the way you just stated that simply that you did well enough that you got coached by Gary Keller personally, I think you had a lot going for you to get noticed by Gary Keller in the first place. So I think there's a lot of credit due there that you just walked right past. We'll go ahead and hand it to you. But now that you're doing that, I mean, what was the mindset that went with all of that that got you to that place? Because at this point, the fear of having 20 grand a year is way in the rearview mirror, right? I mean, that's all gone. What's keeping you at the top of your game? What's keeping your mindset right? What's keeping you plugging away and continuing to perform at the top of your game? Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to have your big why. So there's a couple of things. One, what is your big why? And, you know, and I have big goals and big dreams, but also 
like the people around me. So one of the things that I've learned is if you want to have A players on your team, you're going to have to continue to level up yourself, right? Because I found that the higher I become, like the higher level I become, the more often people reach out to me and say, hey, I'd love to run with you, man. I'd love to be in your world. And what I found is, let me bring it to a story of, you know, something that happened with a buddy of mine, right? A buddy of mine called me He's got a business. He's making about half a million dollars a year, right? Good by just about any scale. There's not anybody that's going to say, oh man, he only makes half a million a year. Like it's a good number. It's not bad, right? But what I was seeing here with him is I just asked him, I was like, don't you want to go to the next level? Let's, let's talk through going to the next level. Why are you taking your foot off the gas? And, and, you know, and there were some other opportunities that I was telling him about, but he was just like, no, I'm good. And I was like, listen, bro, like you can be good, but let me ask you this. Are the people in your organization good? Are they making all the money they want to make? Are they hitting all the dreams they have? Are they where they want to be? Are they good? And he said, no, why do you ask? And I was like, because the second you stop growing, you become as that's the fish tank, right? And fish can only grow to be as big as the tank. So if you stop growing, you're not caring about your people anymore because you're not allowing them the opportunity to grow. And so for me, I care about my people. You know, I'm making you know, more money in a month than I made in a year when I transitioned by like, by a lot, right? Like by 10X, you know? And so that's the crazy thing. When you look at it, it's just crazy. In almost no time, I'm going to have like very soon, you know, and I've bought some, I bought big houses. I bought a lot of investments. I have nice cars, all the other stuff. But the reality is my life is going to be paid off here shortly. I could just take my foot off the gas and be done. But if I do that, I am not doing a service to the people in my world. I literally wake up in the mornings and I pray for them that they'll, that they will dream big, that they will think big. Like that's what I do when I wake up. I think about my people because I know at this point, when I first started, you know, my clients, like in the retail space, my clients were the clients. Now my clients are all the people that I'm in business with. And if I can dream for them, if I can think for them, if I can help them live the life that's much bigger than they even dream for themselves, man, no matter how high level they are, they're never going to want to leave the world I'm in. They're just going to want to run with me forever and we can win together for the rest of our lives. You know, and you bring up a good point there. Do you ever run into people that go, nah, this isn't for me, this whole dreaming big thing? I mean, you know, it's just not what I want. Yeah. You know, I've had some friends, even smart people, you know, it was defined in two ways. One is called cul-de-sac talent, where they're talented people, but they're never going to go big. They're just they're in a cul-de-sac and they're happy to go. And the other one is capacity talent. And for me personally, I only want to run with capacity talent, right? You know, there's that old adage, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And that's kind of who I, what I want to do. I want to be running with people that are dreaming big. Like, honestly, like think about working out, right? If you work out in a way that makes you sore, it means that it breaks it down so that it can build it up. It makes you uncomfortable so you can get stronger and bigger. If the people around you don't make you slightly uncomfortable, if while talking to them, your heart doesn't kind of burn a little bit, like, man, like start seeing things in a bigger way, then you're not with the right group of people. You know, I love what you said there, thinking about working out, because I think about working out more than I actually work out. So I think I'm going to take credit for working out. But you know, and that, there's so much truth to that because, I mean, I say this all the time that a trained monkey could do what I do, right? But the monkey have the desire to do it. Does the monkey have the mindset to do it? Does the, That's the part that you can't train. You find those people. You run with the people that are going to run anyway. You just give them a guidebook. You give them a, a light. You give them a set of tracks to run on and they'll get there quicker, but they were going to somehow get there anyway. Don't you find that to be a little bit true, Chris? Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah. And that's the whole thing. I mean, what you're saying right there is why I pay for coaching, right? I spend 10% of my income on coaching. You know, every year I spend over six figures on coaching and masterminds and everything else. And the reason I do that is because I know that I can compress decades into days by doing that, right? I can figure like literally, bro, there's nothing that I don't think that I could figure out on my own, but it might take me 10 years. And in the 10 years, is it better for me to pay five grand or 15 grand or whatever for somebody to show me how to do it in a year so that I could be living at that level for the next 10 years? Or do I need to take 10 years and say that? And I'll give an example of that. So last year, two years ago, I had a CPA that somebody recommended to me and it was going to cost $12,000 more to have him run my taxes. And I was like, ah, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Well, last year I decided to bite the bullet and pay for it. I don't know that I want to say the exact number, but I'll say I saved well over, well over six figures last year in taxes. And I realized, I mean, I felt sick over the fact that I didn't pay $12,000 and it literally cost me many hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes because I didn't have somebody that was awesome at what they did, who woke up living and breathing and understanding the tax code in a way that I didn't understand it walking through, setting up my entities, creating parent companies and holding companies and all the other things that I never did before. And I'm like, man, I cost myself hundreds of thousands of dollars because of the fact I didn't want to pony up 12 grand. It's just foolishness. It's stupidity to have to learn on your own. But you've learned that now and you'll probably learn that lesson again. I know that I have to repeat some of those lessons several times, but now that you know that, doesn't that make you more excited when you see the opportunity to learn from great people? I mean, to stand on the shoulders of giants and compress those decades into days? Oh, bro, it's incredible. I mean, I was able, so one of the masterminds I joined that cost me $15,000, I was able to directly attribute $250,000 worth of revenue to that particular mastermind just because of relationships that made me look at something, a couple things differently. And so that's where it's just like, we can either have the scarcity mindedness where we think, oh man, I'm just blowing my money. Or we can have the abundance minded thought where we say, man, like our future is as big as we can dream if we're in the room with the right people. But again, the other thing too, is it goes back to the first thing that you said, which was like, it's not about having the books, right? Like if, if I want to, you know, have a hobby, education as a hobby, that's one thing. It's about doing it, right? It's, it's about looking at it, seeing the information, talking to the people, and then going back and doing something with it. And at that point, there's not an amount that's too much to pay for it. You know, so we've covered a lot of ground, but one of the things that is consistent through this whole conversation is you're constantly learning. I mean, your story started at the library. Now we've, we've educated ourselves a little bit. We found out what we're dangerous at. We've gone in, into masterminds. We've gone into partnerships with other people. We've learned from investors. I mean, your whole, if there's one word that this podcast is, it's learning. I mean, this is what you keep reiterating. And so what I'm hearing you say is that all these other 15 businesses that you have, you've learned how to do out of learning from other people about this craft that you're doing. I mean, it seems so elementary that if you're continuing to learn, you're continuing to grow. If you're continuing to grow, you're continuing to expand the level that you can go to. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, your life grows to the extent you grow. That's it. Oh, man, that's great. That is really good. So when you're looking at your mindset, is your mindset always going to be, I'm going to grow till I die? I mean, for sure. Here's the funny thing. I hated school as a kid. I didn't talk about this earlier. I hated school as a kid. 
But when I got older and I didn't have to sit still for school, like I went back to school, I got a master's degree and I actually got a doctorate in leadership. So, which is crazy as the kid that literally I was illiterate when I graduated high school, I just had teachers that I was able to schmooze into giving me C's. So I literally had to learn how to learn when I got into college, when I took an econ class and I was like, holy crap, this is really interesting. It like economics shows how the world works, right? Like I had a couple of, and again, this goes back to relationships. I had a couple of professors that were there, a friend, like one of my really good friends, when I went back and got my doctorate, he's like, Chris, it's not about what you learn there. It's about the people you're going to meet while you're getting a doctorate. And sure enough, there was one guy in particular that just opened my eyes to see the world, to see leadership in a whole new way, how literally systems dictate everything. You look at McDonald's, like he taught, like, taught me about McDonald's, right? A billion dollar business run on the backs of 16 year olds without a high school degree because they created systems that just work, right? And so, man, it's just about being with people that teach you to think in a way that you never thought before. You know, and that's such an amazing point that so many people miss. You know, so many people come at it that they've got to learn this themselves. They've got to figure this out. They've got to be the one that does it first. They're not willing to spend the money on education. I mean, I guess you could really take opposite of everything you just said, and you could draw out a lot of unsuccessful entrepreneurs, right? They're not in a group. They're not in a flock, right? Here's the picture of the person that's unsuccessful, the opposite of it. And I see it all the time. And these people will reach out to me and I'll, I'll ask them the questions and I'll see it all the time. It's people that will listen to some podcasts here and there, right? They're not systematic. Like every day they're taking in an hour, two hours, three hours of content to transform the way they think. And then when they get it, they sit around, they'll make like three or four calls and think, oh man, this just doesn't work because I made my three or four calls and nothing happened. I'm like, no, you got to keep going until you get the answer you want. Persistence breaks resistance. Like, don't give up. Don't quit. You know, get up off the mat. Like, you get beat up. You got to get up. And so that's the opposite of this. And, and so for me personally, you know, I always offer my Instagram to anybody that's a doer, that's a runner, you know, at Crowd Rock. If somebody wants to ever reach out to me and they are a doer, like, I'll answer anybody's direct message at Crowd Rock to encourage them. But but only if they're a doer. Like if you, if you wanted education as a hobby, then, you know, I'm not your guy. I'm not the guy to talk to. <laughs> and guys, if you're not picking up on this, if you're looking to learn from someone who can open your eyes on how you could partner with agents, how you could partner with anyone to create new revenue streams without spending any additional dollars on marketing, without spending any additional dollars on anything, but really break down and learn the systems Chris is your guy. So he's just offered that to you at Crad Rock. Get a hold of him. Do the things he's talking about because he is a successful entrepreneur. He does work hard, but he's sharing the secrets of success right here with you guys. So if you're not picking this up, guys, I don't know what else I could do to help you because the information is here and you're learning it from a guy that started out by checking out books at a library and realizing that learning was the path he needed to pursue to get him to where he's at now. And Chris, am I wrong? to say that the money you mentioned earlier is now what you're making monthly. Didn't you state that? I'm making way more than that every month, way more than what I made in a year every month. Like, I mean, like 20 times, I'm making a lot more than that. And here's the crazy thing. I don't want to like be like, hey, look at that. I mean, literally 10 years ago, I was in ministry and I had so little money before I went back to, I guess, 11 years ago now, um, before I went back into the real estate flipping game. Like I literally, I was calling it an NIH because I heard that they paid $300 to sell your blood to them so that I could buy Christmas presents for my family. So like I've been 
on both sides of it. But yeah, you don't have to stay there. <laughs> from one side to the other. Yeah. Yeah. So, guys, if you're not picking up what Chris is putting down, I don't know. I mean, the excitement level that he's bringing, the thought process that he's bringing, it's simple. Educate yourself. Be in proximity to greatness. Uh, The other one he said was persistence breaks down resistance, right? Those are the kind of things that are going to get you where you want to go. And at Crad Rock is where you can find him on Instagram. Where else can they find you, Chris? Yeah, so... If you're a real estate agent, I've got a, you know, obviously the average podcast listener listens to seven podcasts. So keep listening to this one. But I know that the average podcast listener listens to seven. So I'd love to also have you check out Uncommon Real Estate. I've also got a Facebook group, Uncommon Real Estate, where we talk to the agent investor. And then you can also REI Revive. You can go to my website, chriscraddick.com. And we can, either myself or somebody from my team, you'll get a call from an eight to one number likely. And somebody from my team will give you a shout and say, hey, let's dig into your business. Is this a good fit for you? Is this is this where it's at? And see if we can help you monetize those dead leads. That's awesome. Well, thanks for being with us today, Chris. And thank you for tuning into the Real Estate Rundown, guys. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to us here at the Robnet Real Estate Rundown on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast. You can get to Chris at his podcast that he mentioned earlier. Also, if you'll leave us a some feedback. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. You can check us out at shannonrobnet.com. And we really, truly do appreciate you here today, Chris. I think you've put some excellent, excellent tips out there on the table. Guys, I hope you're going to sweep those up and be able to work with those. Thanks again, Chris, for joining us on the Real Estate Rundown. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Real Estate Rundown. Let these newfound strategies pave the way to start a successful career or a profound rebranding. If you loved everything you have heard, listen to more conversations at www.shannonrobnet.com. And be sure to leave a rating, share it with your friends, and subscribe. Until the next episode. Amen.